Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Leading us in worship, it's a privilege to be here. Good morning, everyone. It's really great. It's really great to have you guys here. For those online, we said hello to you. Welcome. It's great to have you guys here too. Are you ready for the word today? We're going to pray and then we're going to dive in. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you've done in this place already, for these songs of declaration, these songs where we've declared your truth. The time of prayer we've had, God, we want to pray um, for what's going on in the world right now, in the Ukraine and Russia. We pray for both those countries. We pray, Lord, your kingdom to come. We pray for the other conflicts around the world, like in Syria, and so many nations that are in turmoil in Africa, and so much going on. Father, we commit it to you. Father, we pray today as we come to your word that you would speak. Lord, you would speak to us, that you would help us to see what's going on in our hearts. God, will get real today and that you would transform our lives, that we would not be the same. But as we go, God, we will be different because of what you say today. Father, anoint me through this task and preach your word. Give us ears, heart to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, I want to talk to you today around the motivation of your heart. I want to talk to you around the motivation of your heart. In other words, what's going on inside here for you? When we talk about the heart, we're talking about our desires, our passions, our beliefs, the things that we want to see in life, and those things motivate us to action. So this morning, what is going on in you? And as you're watching this online, I want to ask you, what's going on in here for you today? Because this is really around our why. Why do we do the things that we do? It comes down to the desires, the passions of our heart. And the thing is, as as people look at our actions, they can't always, they can see the action that we do, but they can't always see where that comes from. They can't see the desire within us. They can't always see the desire. And sometimes as a result of that, people take our actions in the wrong way. I've got uh, three great kids and on a regular occurrence, kids, my kids take my decision making the wrong way. Um, I love my kids. My, my passion for them is that they grow up to know Jesus and to follow him all, all their days. Um, I, a little thing I have with my kids, I say to them, Hey, Aiden's here. What's the most important thing in life? And he's going to say, follow Jesus. He knows the answer. I've drilled that into them. And I want them to be adults that add value to the society around them. That's my heart for them. Great kids. But then there's times where I make a decision, and they don't like the decision that I make. And they say, but Dad, Dad, that's not fair. Dad, why aren't you for me? Dad, and they get cranky. Not so much this one, more the, um, the younger ones. Um, And they challenge my decision-making because they think I'm against them. But the reality is the decisions I'm making are what I think are for their best interests because I love them and care for them. Uh, An example of this is is regularly during winter, during the rugby league season on a Thursday night. If you watch NRL, um, the first game of the week is on a Thursday night. And Joel, my second son, follows the Bulldogs. And my my oldest son, Aiden, who's here, follows the Sharks. And on a very, very good following the Sharks... Um, go Nico Hines this year for those Shark fans. We're looking forward to that. Let's see how he goes. Um, 
And on a Thursday night, the uh, game's on, and they want to watch the footy, and it's, Dad, you can watch the footy tonight, and I say, yeah, you can watch the first half. Why? Because I've got to get out of bed at 6.30 the next morning to go to school. But then when half time comes, Dad, why do we have to go to bed? Dad, why are you being so mean? And then it gets worse when it's their team playing, when the Bulldogs are playing or when the Sharks are playing. But Dad, this is my team. Dad, it's not fair. You get to watch it. Why don't I get to watch it? And they go after me because of the decision that I make. But my, but my heart for them is actually good. I want them to thrive. I want them to do well at school. And as a result, I make that decision. I wonder if you can relate to what I'm saying today. And if you're a parent, absolutely you can. You've seen the tantrums. You've seen the crying. You've had, I hate you. Has anyone had that before? I hate you. The kids say that's just not, I don't experience that in my household. No, I don't think I do, actually. My kids are pretty great. But we get that because they don't like the decisions that we make. But it can also be true um, in, in friendship. Um, you're having a conversation with a friend, and you say something, and your friend thinks you mean it in a certain way. You don't mean it in a negative way at all. You're just making a comment, but they think that your heart is against them or you're trying to attack them or you're trying to pull them down because they can't see what's going on in here. Another example is maybe you're an employer and as an, as an employer, you need to prioritize the organization and maybe there's a staff member you, ha- you have to let go and that can be really difficult. And your desire is that the company flourishes, which means you have to let this staff member go. And as you let them go, the staff member points the finger at you saying, you're a bad person, you've got bad motives. But actually, what's going on in here? You just want the best for the organization. Maybe you're a teacher and you're in a classroom and the kids are mucking up, so you discipline them. You discipline them. Why do you discipline them? Because you want the kids to learn. You want them to do well. But the kids think you're opposed to them, that you don't like them. And the list goes on, because people can't always see the motivation of our heart. This is now our third message from the book of 1 Thessalonians. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and if you haven't heard the other messages, they're on YouTube, you can go back and watch them and through our website. But in this next passage from the beginning of chapter 2, Paul's motives are questioned. They're going after, what's going on in your heart, Paul? Because when Paul went to Thessalonica, he preached there for a few weeks, persecution broke out, and because his life was in danger, he had to to flee. These people became Christians. He flees, goes down to the next town, and people in Thessalonica start to question Paul's motives. Why did he really come here? Was it for his benefit? Was it for what he can get out of it? Was it some dodgy reason? Or was he actually here for the right reasons? And people said... He's, he's come for the wrong reasons. His, his motivation is all, about, is all about himself. His motivation is wrong. And that's what we read here from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 7. Here's the text. Let's have a look at it. You know, Paul writing, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, 
Nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking, looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. That's, that's the end of the text for today. I want to look at verse 1, look at verse 2, and then look at the things that the people said about Paul. The first thing I want to point out is from verse 1, where Paul writes about the results. And this is the reason why the people were going after him. Because if Paul went to Thessalonica and he preached the gospel and nothing happened, no, one, no one's lives are transformed, well, no one would have taken any notice. But the, re, but, but the reality was Paul had results. He preached the gospel and people became followers of Jesus. Look what it says. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. What were the results? People became followers of Jesus. And it's super important that we as a church think about the results. And sometimes in churches, we forget about the results. And we just do church like we've always done it. We've always done ministry like we've always done it. We're not seeing any lives transformed and yet we continue to do that thing anyway. But God calls us as his church to go and to bear fruit, which is about results. Now, you might think results is a business word. Well, it's there in the, in the scriptures. And what are the results for us? A transformed life. The result for us at LifeGate Church is to see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for our lives. And, if, and as we're seeing people find greater freedom and fulfilling their purpose at a greater measure... That's what we're going after, and we are seeing results. But if we're not seeing that, we need to ask the question, well, what are we doing? What are we doing as a community? We're doing all this stuff, but are we actually achieving anything? Super important. And this is not just only true in church. It's true in our personal lives. We should be asking ourselves, what results are we seeing in our lives? But before you ask the result, you need to know the result that you're going after. What do you want the fruit of your life to look like? What are you trying to produce? What do you want to see in your kids? What do you want to see in your spouse? What do you want to see in your own life? What do you want to see in your finances? What do you want to see in your, in your relationships? Know what you want and ask yourself the question, am I seeing these things? And if I'm not, we, we, we are need to do something about it. Now, there's a bit of an aside from a message today, but the text dealt with it, so I wanted to deal with it. And that's verse one. In the second verse, Paul talks about um, what happened in Philippi. He says, We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. As you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Now, here's a map. Up the top is Thessalonica. And this is Paul's second missionary journey. He goes up from Jerusalem, up north, and then that way, which is west. And then he goes and he ends up at Philippi before he goes to Thessalonica. And if you read Acts chapter 16, and it's worth going home and reading this, and if you're watching this online at the end of this message, go and read Acts chapter 16 because there is an incredible incident there with Paul. Paul preaches a gospel and he has a number of um, things happen in the city. He won't go into the detail. But the city officials grab him and they persecute him in a really, really difficult way, in a really horrible way. They, they bring him out in front of the town. They strip him naked naked. Then they flog him. Now, for you to understand that, I would like to demonstrate that today. Are there any volunteers? that, Carlos? Any volunteers? I'm only kidding. Imagine that. 
You're in, the com- you're in a community, you're preaching Jesus, they grab you, they strip you naked, and they flog you. They flog you, and then Paul cries out, I'm a Roman citizen, and, and they freak out, and then they, they, they let him out, and he goes down to Thessalonica. Now, why is that in verse 2? Because Paul's just about to say about his motives and all the negative things that people are saying about him. And I think he puts this, this idea of, I just come to Philippi, I've had this outrageous experience. Because he's saying, preaching the gospel, it ain't that fun on this earth. Will there be heavenly benefits? Absolutely. He talks about the crown, even in Thessalonians. He says, you are my crown. That's what he says. That's his reward for what he's done on earth. But on earth, as a Christian who is preaching the gospel, the, the persecution is severe on Paul. And he says, I wouldn't be doing this for my own benefit. It's actually to my, what's the word? To my detriment. Thank you. It's to my detriment that I'm doing this. And then he then goes on in verse 3. And in verse 3 to verse 7, he mentions what's been said about him. He mentions the negative things that are said about him, which a lot of them go to his motives. And the first thing we see in verse 3 is that the They are saying that he's speaking error or that he's speaking lies. And the reason he's speaking lies is for some sort of self-interest. The next thing we see is Paul comes with impure motives. And when we see impure motives, in the New Testament, it's it's usually connected with sexual immorality. And at the time, um, lots of the religions were connected to sex. So in Corinth, they had the goddess Diana. And, and the goddess Diana had temple prostitutes. As a way of worshipping this demonic god, you go to the temple and you have sex as a way of worshipping this god. And it was also true in Ephesus with the goddess Artemis. Again, temple prostitutes. And they were saying, Paul's bringing in this new religious thing so he can get his physical desires met through sex. That's what they said about him. Again in verse 3, he says that, they, that, that Paul has come to try and trick them. He's come to do false miracles, fake healings, tell fake stories, fake testimonies that aren't true so that people would listen to him. Then in verse 4, he talks about not people, he's he's people-pleasing. I don't know why it says not people-pleasing, but it says that he's challenged for people-pleasing, that he's doing these things in order just to please people so he can get ahead. Then in verse 5, it talks around flattery. He is saying all these things about them that aren't true. He's gushing all these lovely words so that he can have a place of authority, so that he'll have a place of permission. Verse 5, it says that he is greed. He's gone there to get money. And lots of teachers at the time went from place to place, taught this stuff and asked people for money, treated people poorly as a way of benefiting themselves. And then people said that he was all about praise from people. He didn't feel great about himself. So he did all this stuff so people would lavish all these encouraging words on him so that he would feel okay. And finally, in verse 6, it talks about the power. Even though I was an apostle and I could have stamped my authority, I didn't. That's like saying, I am in control. You will do what I say. Is pushing people around. And in response to all the negative stuff that was said about Paul, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people but God. 
who tests our hearts. What's, Paul motive? what's, what's Paul's motive? Paul's motivation was to please God. That's why I went to Thessalonica. It wasn't around sexual gratification. It wasn't around greed. It wasn't around trying to feel okay about himself or for people to say lovely things about him. Why did he go? His motivation was simply to please God. So here's a question for you today. What's the motivation of your heart? If you take a moment and you, maybe you need to, what's, what's going on down there? You know, what's, what's going on in here? Is it Paul's desire, which is what we see in the, in the previous slide, is it to please God or, or is it something else? You know, throughout the scriptures, um, we see verses that help us to see what's going on in here because sometimes we don't even know what's going on. We're acting and responding to things and we're responding, why did I act that way? And recently I had a moment where last year and something happened at our Preston's campus and I responded, I think, out of fear. And I responded out of fear to something that happened. And I may not have handled a situation as well as I could have. At the time, I just responded. But it was in reflection that I went, I thinking I was responding out of fear in that moment. Because sometimes we don't even see what's going on in here. We're doing all this stuff, we're acting in this way, but we're, on, we're, we're not even aware of, of what's going on, on, on in our heart. But the scriptures give us a couple of clues to help us understand what's going on in our heart. Let me give you a few scriptures. The first is from Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says this, he says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know, let me give you a positive angle on this. You know, maybe your heart is genuinely for people and you want them to thrive and you continue and you want them to do well. Well, out of that will come encouragement. We'll speak life to see what people do well and say, hey, I noticed you're great at this or thank you for doing that. You did so well. And Ruben's out in the foyer. Ruben, thank you for leading worship today so well. Did you hear that? God, not leading, musically directing so well today. You did a great job. Really clear, mate. Really, really good. And if that's your heart to see people do well, you speak life because that comes out of your heart. But also, if you let me give you some negative responses here or, or negative ways of looking at this. Maybe you're hurting and you've heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people. And you're hurting and so then you use your words to pull others down. You pick out their faults, not to help them do better, but just to pull them down because, because you're hurting. Or maybe your self-esteem is so low and you're struggling with who you are so much, you continually tell everybody how great you are so that they think you're great, will make, which will help you feel better about yourself. See, out of our heart, our mouth speaks. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A couple more scriptures from the Proverbs. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The passions, the desires, the beliefs within you, everything that you do flows from it. And again, in Proverbs 27, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Your life looks like 
what's going on, the, mo- the, the motives, the beliefs, the desires within you, your actions will be a reflection of what's going on in here. I've been reading um, Genesis in my quiet times and in my personal time with Jesus, and I've just read Genesis chapter 37. And it's in Genesis chapter 37, it's where Joseph's brothers put him, in, put him in as a slave. And you need to ask the question, why? That's the action. Why do they put him as a slave? Because the scripture says their heart was jealous of him and they hated him. That's the motivation. That's the heart, hate and jealousy. And what do they do? They put him as a slave. You go on the scriptures and you read about King David and you read the story of David seeing the pretty woman bathing on the rooftop. What was the desire? It was lust. It was desires of the flesh, pleasing the flesh. That was going on in here. What were his, what were his actions? He had, a, he had an affair with a woman, killed a, killed a husband off, all because of the desire of the flesh to please him that was within him. Then you go to Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Why? Because even he was greedy for money. Inside was greed. I want money. I want more money. Jesus is not looking after the money like he should. And what was the action? It was betrayal. Now compare this to God's motives in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave. The action is giving his son. What was the motivation? Love for us. We read through the scriptures how Jesus healed people. And regularly it tells us Jesus' motivation in healing. He says they, he had compassion on them. They're like sheep without a shepherd, so he taught them. We see Jesus half of people, and he responded in the way that he did. And what we see here in this text is Paul's desire. And Paul's desire, in, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, was, that it was a desire to please God. So let me ask you this morning, is this your motivation? Is your desire in life to please God? And if you're honest, you will say partly. Because we're still fallen and we're, and we're living in this world and the flesh nature is rearing its ugly head and yet the spirit is, is pushing us and transforming us to be more like Christ. And so we're in this battle of doing what the flesh wants compared to choosing to honor God with our lives. And, and if you're honest, you will say, yes, part of me desires to honor God, please go with my life. Well, let me ask you, how much of you? Is it a little bit? Is it 30% of you? Is it half the time? Is it, is it mostly, most of the time in my life, I really want to honor you in my life, God? How would you describe it? What do you want to do? How do you want to live? What's the motivation of your heart? Is it to please him or is it to go after something else? Now, as we come to the end of this message, I want us to go deeper in this, what's the motivation of your heart? We have Paul's and what he writes, a desire to please God. And did Paul get it right in every, every situation? No. But there's this desire within us. And I think that's what God wants. I mean, God wants us all, of course. He wants to be more and more like Jesus. But, but none of us are going to get there until that day where he gives us a new body and everything's made new. But what God really wants for us is a desire within us to choose him, to please him. That's what he really wants to desire. 
But I, as, as I just said, I really want to go after some of those motivations that you may struggle with. And I want to talk about them because I want to give you the opportunity as we come to the end of this message to repent. And repentance is confession and change where you go, God, I've got it wrong. I'm choosing to live your way. And the way I want to do this is to go back over the things that were said about the Apostle Paul from these verses. And I want you to think to yourself, can I resonate? Does this thing resonate with me? The first thing he talks about is error, and this is about lying. And maybe your motivation, and this is the get real piece. At LifeGate, we talk about getting real and taking action. And the first step of living in freedom and fulfilling your purpose is to get real. So this is the get real piece, everyone. Be open to the Holy Spirit as I share. I'll ask God to nudge you. And if this is something that you need to repent of, I encourage you to do that. Around speaking lies, speaking error, and, and people regularly lie because they want to protect themselves. They don't want people to think badly of them, look down on them, so people lie in order to cover it up. And it's regularly, and it's regularly connected with pride. Is that something you struggle with? The next one is around the impure motives. And Paul was, it was said of Paul that he went into that town to, and he did the religious thing so he could have sexual immorality. He could benefit from that. Do you struggle with sexual immorality? Do you struggle with lust? Do you struggle with pornography? Do you struggle with pursuing someone who's not your spouse? I mean, that's not God's best for you. And if that's where you struggle, he wants you to repent of that today. And, and, and choose his way, and choose his way. The third one we see is around um, telling stories that are fake. Paul was accused of trying to trick them. And maybe we tell stories, or maybe we exaggerate the fish was this big, because you want to grab people's attention. Maybe you're feeling so low inside. You have a desire for acceptance. You have a longing for people to take notice of you, to listen to you. So you tell stories and you make stuff up so that people, you think they're going to listen. And if your story is better, they're more likely to listen. So you struggle with that. Number four, something that I've struggled with for years is around this people-pleasing thing. Do you choose to do things to keep people happy rather than keeping God happy? Do you say yes to all the people rather, and, and it wears you out and, you, and by saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. And early in my marriage, I damaged my marriage by saying yes to church over and over again and saying no to my wife. And it was always, but Sheila, I had this meeting on or I've got to do this, Sheila. It's really important that I do this, Sheila. I've got to get this completed, Sheila. And I said no to my wife because I was trying to please church. And as a result, I was not honoring her, which was actually about saying no to God because she's my priority before church but we can get caught up in trying to please people so we'll feel better about ourselves. Another one is around flattery. You butter people up. You speak all these lovely things about them. You look so nice today. You're so wonderful. You say all these things about them. Why? So they'll accept you. They'll take notice of you. That you will be okay. Then Paul is accused of greed, that he went in there for the money. And maybe greed is something that you struggle with. Maybe it's around finances. I was talking to someone recently, and their thing was they built, built wealth. Why? Because they wanted to be secure. 
As a kid, they didn't have that. But now as an adult, they want to be secure. So what do they do? They build all, they build all these assets and resources. The problem with that is that you're putting your trust in the asset rather than in him who gives you the asset. He is our provider. Or maybe you're greedy because you're competing with the, with, your, with the person next to you, another family member, a friend, and who's got the most amount of money, who's got the most amount of cars, who's got the most amount of stuff, because the one with the most wins, don't they? No, they don't. Maybe you struggle with greed. A few more. Praise from people. Again, you do things because you are so, you feel maybe worthless, you feel useless, you see lack in you, and you do things in order that people would say good things about you in order that you feel better about yourself. And this is another thing that I struggle with. I used to preach a message on a Sunday, and then I'd say, sure, how was that? Because I'm really unsure. Was it a helpful message? Did it help people? Didn't it help people? And, and then depending on how she respond, I'd go, oh, man, I've got to do better. Or, oh, that was really good. I'm pleased I'm going, I'm going to go on. You know, it's just not, it's not where it should be at. It should be about, okay, God, what do you call me to do? I've heard from you today. I'm going to present it the best I can. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be clear. And whatever happens, happens. I've done the best I can. And the final one is around power. And this can be around control where you stamp your authority and you say, you know what, I'm the boss, therefore you need to do it my way. I'm the husband in the house, I'm the head of the house and we stamp our authority and we do it because we want to have control. And people who go after control usually feel a lack of control in here. Things in their, thing, things in their world are out of control. Maybe their body's failing, things aren't going as they want them to go, and what do they do as a result? They try and control the stuff they can. They try and control the people and things around them because we think that things are out of control and we're, and we're, and we're responding out of fear. So as we come to the end of this message, I want to come back to that question. What is the motivation of your heart? Is it to please God? And for most of us, we have this desire. And yet, there are these things that raise their ugly head, these other desires, these other beliefs, these other motives that raise up within us that aren't about pleasing God. They're about other things. And when we recognize what they are, God wants us to repent and say, God, I've done this. These are my desires. They're not right. I'm sorry. I want to live differently. And here's a really big bit. God, please change me. You know, the Bible says make choices. It says clothe yourself with love. It says put on kindness and gentleness and self-control. But unless the Spirit of God is working within us, He's the one who changes our hearts. He's the one who changes our desires. So as we come to the end, Donna... Thank you. Donna's going to play the keyboard for us. I want us to pray. And maybe you're here today or you're watching online and, and, you've, and you've never committed your life to Jesus. You know, the first step in living a life that pleases God is, is, is by becoming a Christian. And you do that by simply believing who Jesus is, asking him to forgive you, and then choosing to live his way. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer now of that. 
So with every head bowed and eye closed, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you pray that prayer, if you just become a Christian, congratulations. If you're watching online, click on the prayer tab. Someone will pray with you and will help you take the next step in your journey. And if you're here today and you pray that prayer, I mean, we'd love to help you in your walk with Jesus. But now what I'd like to do is give you some time and pray and reflect on that list of stuff. I'll go back to it. Maybe it's the error, the impure motives. It's there. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you an area you need to confess before Him and repent. And as you do that, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward and they're going to stand. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, you know, we can pray ourselves, but sometimes as we people lay hands on you, God comes by His Spirit, He moves by His Spirit, and He changes and He makes breakthrough. And we invite the prayer team to come forward and we'll pray with you. Take, take some time now and pray. And as you do that, I'm going to say goodbye to those online. If you're watching this online, I encourage you to take some time now and just pray and reflect on what you've heard today. God bless you. Thanks for being part of it. See you again soon. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.